0: Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing the good news, sharing those stories of men and women that are rising up, making a difference in their communities, in the marketplace. We have an example of servant leadership in studio with us, someone who has been on a couple times now and runs one of our naval bases here in town. We have the commanding officer of Naval Base Point Loma, Captain Brian Dixon welcome brian welcome back james thanks for having me back it's great to be back on the show thanks for coming back you know i know you have a lot under your charge a lot that you are responsible for and a lot of demands on your time so the fact that you would take take some time out of your day and come spend it with the rise of network is is great so thank you
1: thank you very much one of our things we're trying to work on at point loma is being more connected with our community we see this as a great opportunity to let folks know of uh, what's going on in the base, that's probably the least uh, known and understood of the three Navy bases here in San Diego. So thanks for the opportunity to chat. Absolutely,
0: and we're, and we're gonna work on changing that a little bit today. Sounds great. So, you know, we'll, we'll we'll dive into Navy Base Point Loma, but let's back up a second, you know, some of our network has not necessarily heard your story before you know, give us a little bit of background, you know, where'd you grow up? What had you choose the Navy versus, you know, different branch?
1: So uh, I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, My father was an army officer. My grandfather was an army officer and they told me about the army. So I decided uh, maybe I should join the Navy. Uh, But (laughs) I found out the Navy has a lot of similar stories to army stories, so it's all good. Um, I went to the Naval Academy uh, directly out of high school and then I service selected into submarines. And so Naval Academy graduates primarily go into either aviation submarines or surface warfare. That's changed some now. We have a lot of people going into cyber defense fields. Uh, but when I went through, it was one of those three choices were your primary choices. I chose submarines and it's been an absolute fantastic career. I've been on four different submarines. I commanded the USS Jefferson City when it was home port here in San Diego. And then I've had a, a variety of shore assignments and teaching, including teaching at in a college. Uh, working on some big staffs and uh, including one one stint in the pentagon so all has been a very fantastic experience and then it, it leads to here we're in the commanding officer of navy base point loma and it is a submarine base but it's also a lot more than that uh, we also have uh, a lot of research and development so that's where we're going to probably spend some time talking about that absolutely today.
0: before we jump into that though i'm always curious what had you choose submarine
1: Well, um, I originally had chosen aviation and uh, I went to my vision test and I passed. I called my mom that day, I was so excited. Uh, It was a big deal in my family, I could fly. And they sent me a a postage note a couple of months later saying, "Uh, yeah, we made a mistake on your test and you failed. And uh, so at first I was really upset. I talked to my roommate, he was going submarines, we were very good friends. And uh, so I said, hey, that's, that's why I'm gonna get into submarines. And I think it's a great example. Sometimes your life doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to go. Uh, but the direction it takes is a lot better. And, and I have a lot of respect for my brothers in aviation, but I think I was a better submarine officer than I would have been as an aviator, uh, just like there's folks that are better aviators than they would have been as submariners. Ironically, my best friend and my roommate, he ended up going aviation instead of submarines, so we kind of swapped careers. And uh And I think I got the better deal, but he'd probably say something else.
0: <laughs> love it, love it. But and, and I think you're right. You know, sometimes we have these plans and these visions for our life, and then, you know, God has a different plan in mind Absolutely. and it works out better for us in the long run. Definitely. you know. So fast forward, CEO Navy Base Point Loma,
1: what's going on with the base? So it's, it's an interesting thing is when I was uh, on a submarine and I also had some time working on Point Loma on one of the commands that we support, the squadron that's in charge of the submarines we always thought that Navy Base Point Loma was all about submarines. And in fact, when the base wouldn't do stuff for us, we'd kind of think, hey, they they don't recognize how important we are. Mm. And uh, submarines are very important for Point Loma. But what I've realized now is the command officer of the base, they're just part of the big picture of what this base is about. And we have 15,000 people that call Navy Base Point Loma their uh, home where they work. And of those 15,000 people, uh, two thirds of them are actually civilians. And we have so many civilians working on our base because we are really a research and development hub. So both on the Peninsula campus where my office is at, which is most of Point Loma Peninsula, uh, and the Harbor Drive Annex, and also Old Town Campus, which is where people commonly refer to that as SPAYWAR. We have a lot of people that are doing research in terms of computer technology, radio technology, unmanned systems, and many of those people are organized and work for SPAYWAR, which is the Navy's lead development center for purchasing cyber technology, computers, and uh, radio technology.
0: Wow. Okay. So, uh, obviously, a, a lot of research. Um, a lot of different things going on. You know, give us some examples and some stories like, you know, what's going on for research? What What is current R&D projects? What do they look like on the base? So um, a lot of- That you can share. I know a lot's classified. A lot of it's classified. I know a lot's
1: classified. And a lot of it's stuff that you can't see. So you'll go into a space and you'll see a lot of racks that are just computer racks like you would see at a, a Google server farm. And what that research is doing is developing new ways for us to communicate in the uh, IP bands so that our, our communications are more secure, more resilient and create better capabilities to connect our warfighters with their sensors, with their command authority, and their weapon systems to give us a competitive edge against our adversaries. So you walk in, there's not a lot of exciting stuff to see, but some of the more exciting things you actually can see is that on our Bayside area, we operate some piers that are specifically dedicated to research vessels and there's a vessel called the Sea Hunter, and it's uh, designed to be an unmanned surface vessel. It's about 100 feet long. It has a pilot house on it right now as they work through its development, but the, the research they're doing right now is enabling that to operate autonomously thousands of miles away from human activity, where it would do uh, search activity, or it could even carry weapon systems. And what's the exciting topic is when I when I joined the Navy, uh, right before that was the Reagan buildup. We talked about the 600-ship Navy. You know, nowadays we're talking about getting back into about 233 ships. Um, so it's a lot smaller man Navy, we're on the cusp of having a navy that's going to have a huge force of unmanned systems so it wouldn't be unrealistic to start talking about a thousand ship navy if you think about all the unmanned systems that we're going to be able to bring to the fight which are going to augment our manned ships to make them more effective so that's one example of some of the more exciting things you could actually see and as you go through san diego bay you can see the sea hunter parked right there
0: really cool very interesting you know and it's to me it's fascinating to think of you know unmanned vessels you know we now we have unmanned cars you know that's kind of the way the future's going in the in the reach that you can now have when you you know you don't have a body on
1: there. Absolutely. And and it it changes the risk profile of how we are engaging with our adversaries too, because those unmanned systems create a threat that our adversary has to deal with. They'll expend their weapons towards those targets. And then it allows our manned systems to be less targeted because the enemy has to deal with all of them. So uh, it creates some safety for our team and creates complexity for our adversaries.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, you know, Transit Hub.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I used to live up in Scripps Ranch. I live on the base now. But when I lived in Scripps Ranch when I was on a, a submarine, uh, I'd take the commute on the 163, the 8, uh, onto Rosecrans. And I always thought, that's eh, not too bad. Uh, but back then, the economy wasn't going quite as well as it's going today. Yep. And nowadays, when people come into my base and ask them how the commute was, uh, they don't usually have a very positive statement and um i came from dc right before this assignment and i saw what had happened in dc they changed some of the rules in terms of how their hovs lanes work they changed some of the incentives for people to take public transportation and when i was there for the first time in my life every day when i went to work i took public transportation or i shared rides with another commuter Uh, Either I drove and some people shared the ride, strangers I didn't even know, uh, or I would get into a stranger's car and it sounds a lot like hitchhiking, but they call it slugging there. And uh, My brother-in-law does it to the Pentagon. Absolutely, and that's where I would commute to is the Pentagon. I had an awesome experience. And what I discovered about it, what I loved about it was, instead of being in my car for 20 to 30 minutes of concentrating on the road, maintaining safety as I drove my vehicle, maybe listening to the radio, instead when i wasn't driving because i was either on a bus or i was ride sharing i could read the paper i could read a book i could watch uh, a streaming uh, news show or whatever that time came back to me for to use as i wanted to and even though i was in the vehicle more I had more freedom than I had when I had to drive myself. So coming back to San Diego and seeing the growth of this community and seeing how our roads are getting more congested, I think that we're getting to the point where we need to be sharing opportunities. where not making people take public transportation, but creating viable options so they want to. And I think the transit hub that we're discussing, uh, and there's San Diego's in charge of that. Uh, we are supporting their efforts as best as we can. Uh, where that transit hub is going to be located is still under consideration and one of them is uh, the old town campus so we are cooperating with sandag as we explore what is the best option for both the navy sandag uh, and really the citizens of san diego where that ends up uh, but maybe the old town campus where spay war is right now could be part of that solution and if it is we're excited about that from uh being on point loma on the peninsula because we think there's some options and opportunities to create maybe a gondola, uh, maybe an elevated rail um, that would take a a stream of folks down to uh, Harbor Drive and that would help unload the roads. Again, no one's gonna make people take those options, uh, but we think that for a lot of commuters, that'd be a better option than their car is today. And for those people that have to use a car because of mobility issues, it would be much better for them because now the roads won't be as Is compacted with cars yeah absolutely
0: i think it's i think it's great i think it's brilliant you know and 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 i agree with you that i think we are going to have a challenge as time goes on with more congestion on these roads so finding alternatives just makes
1: sense and and a lot of times people ask well how's the navy supporting that effort one of the big things that in conversations with representatives from mts and sandag is really understanding the demographics of who could use these services. Obviously, these are things the community needs to support financially. Uh, The Navy does incentivize our folks to use these options. We give a stipend for people that use public transportation instead of driving their cars, which is a few hundred dollars a month to offset the cost of using public transportation. So we give them incentives to do it. But the other thing we're doing is collecting information from our our workers. So I mentioned we have about 15,000 people working. We, we actively pull our workers to find out exactly where they live in the community, what options are best for them, and then we feed that information back to MTS and SANDAG so they can tune their options so that we make a, a financially wise solution that actually will be used and not something that's just uh, kind of a paper tiger we never actually work on. Yeah, and what's the timeline for this? So the timeline uh, for our facility is, uh, right now we are in kind of a period where we're studying the area. And uh, uh, so it's an environmental impact process that we're working on. And when I, when I first heard that as a base co, I thought, okay, that's to make sure we're not gonna hurt uh, some endangered species, which would be odd because we're in the middle of San Diego. Right. But for, for what we're really talking about is the environmental impact on the people that live around there. So. That process takes um, a year to three years and we want to make a lot of progress on that before we approach a private developer who would come in and uh, they make an agreement with the government, specifically the Navy, where they would build the new headquarters for Spaywar and some other commands that work on that campus and then we believe that that would allow them to densify so that the command, which is spread out right now, pretty much on ground level, they could go up a few stories and then that would free up more of the land that then the developer could turn into, for example, a transit hub, maybe housing. Uh, we don't know what they, the developer would want to build there, but what we know that we want it to be market-based so it would provide good tax revenue for the, for the city and that the people in San Diego would see that as a net win that that happened. Uh, that project will take a few years to accomplish, and then it also has to coincide with what Sandegg's working on in terms of their transit hub ideas.
0: Brilliant. I think it's smart. I hope it happens sooner than later.
1: I, I agree. And it's one of those things that, um, it, one thing I know it'll take longer if we don't start working now. And I'm really excited yeah. that uh, specifically Spaywars put some money into, it, it costs money to do these environmental impacts, and uh, they're bringing their money forward today and we're working on getting those impact statements developed, and that's a key part of making sure this happens.
0: Anything else going on on the Old Town campus that we should be aware of?
1: So on Old Town campus, now that's pretty much it. Uh, We haven't talked a lot about Harbor Drive, so I own a small, uh, plot of land that's across from the airport uh, some people know it as the asw base because that's uh, in world war ii they did a lot of asw research and so
0: for people listening that so that's basically before you turn into your terminal it's there on the west side
1: uh, it is and right across before you go the uh, ntc canal that bridge right there that's yeah. where we're at so we're excited because we had um, taken a, a marina for recreational boat traffic we would taken that off service for a few years that is getting fully reopened this summer uh, that provides slips for veterans and active duty service members that have boats we also train sailors on how to sail so it may seem kind of strange but a lot of our sailors don't know how to operate a sailboat sure. uh, this is a great place for them to get to learn about the water and i think it helps them be fundamentally better mariners to have that experience and it's a good opportunity But that base's main purpose is to provide a home base for several of our training commands and development commands so the navy center of excellence for mine and anti-mine warfare uh, is located on that campus undersea warfare command has a development center where they practice the skills to find submarines and other aspects of undersea warfare and uh, we also operate some other schools in that area
0: great important
1: absolutely
0: um what are you know? What are some other things that are up and coming? You know that the public and the community should be aware of.
1: So we we host um, two big events per year on Navy's problem. We have some other more minor ones, uh, but first off, for our service members on the fourth of July. We offer a party on the base from uh, approximately 2 in the afternoon to 9 PM on the 4th of July. It is probably one of the premier places in San Diego to watch the fireworks show that's put on uh, by the city. Uh, So we open up the base, uh, we shut down operations that day, and it's pretty much just a big street party to celebrate our nation's uh, independence. And then in the fall uh, the city celebrates Cabrillo Festival at Cabrillo Na- National Monument and that's where Juan Cabrillo uh, we inaugur- or we remember when Cabrillo uh, came to San Diego for the first time and that was the first Western contact um, hero in San Diego so Uh, We do we celebrate the anniversary of that in the fall and this year it's on September 28th and uh, that goes in uh, from the afternoon and uh, that's an open base event and it's the one time a year that we open the base up for general uh, public visitation so they can kind of see one of the neat historical parts of San Diego that a lot of people don't have an opportunity to check out.
0: Yeah I mean and say more about that when you say open base you know
1: so normally we have pretty strict requirements in terms of credentials that have to be issued by the navy for you to come onto our facility or you have to be escorted by someone who is um, active duty or a civilian worker on a Navy base. We also open up to veterans. When we say open base, if you just have a valid ID saying that you are a resident of California, you're allowed to come on the base. We kind of restrict where folks that don't have credentials can go, but it still gives you a wide access to see uh, what's actually on the base and uh, see our beach areas and some of our recreational areas that we have open.
0: Fantastic, so folks, you listening to this, you know, put that date in your calendar. You know, that sounds like a great event for families, for the community to come out, check out the base, and see, you know, see what Captain Dixon has going on, but that's September 28th um, as part of Cabrillo Festival.
1: Great. Yeah.
0: And it sounds like the 4th of of July, only uh,
1: enlisted guys and veterans are getting on base that day. Well, we let officers come on board, too. So, anybody that's active, they're welcome to come on board.
0: Right. Well, Captain, thank you so much for coming on. Parting words for our network listeners.
1: Hey, this is, uh, of all the assignments I could have chosen, um, being a commanding officer of a base in San Diego was my top choice. And it is an absolute pleasure to be here in San Diego. I don't think there's a place in America that the Navy is more welcome than San Diego, and we really value the partnership of the people of San Diego. So thank you very much.
0: Well, from the Rise Up Network, from us to you, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for protecting us. And thank you for keeping our families safe. And thank you for loving San Diego. Awesome. Thank you.